Would you turn your Bibles to Luke 15, read a very familiar portion of Scripture, one of my most favorite portions of Scriptures in the Word of God, Luke chapter number 15 this morning. We'll begin reading in verse number 11. The Bible says, and he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. And let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, this privilege to be able to stand before this great group of young people. Dear God, our country is in a mess even at this very moment. And dear God, the only hope for this generation or this country is, Lord, is sitting in this room here today. And dear God, I come to you, dear God, I, 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 I say this, and Lord, I've said it many times already this morning. I'd rather be seated than not to have the power of God upon my life as I preach to these young people. And dear God, I've come to you and I ask that you bring a holy hush upon this place. And Lord, allow me just to borrow the hearts and the ears of the young people here today just for these next few minutes. And Lord, I pray that you bless everything that is said and done, even these very moments. And dear God, I pray, Lord, that you would, Lord, grab a hold of the heart of a, maybe a young person here today. And Lord, we'll give you all the honor and glory for what you do. Maybe there's somebody lost. I pray that you'd save them. In your name I pray. Amen. The message that I'll preach this morning, I believe, I, I believe with all my heart, everyone can get something from it and benefit from it. But the message is directed this morning to a very small percentage of folks inside this room today. I believe with all my heart the vast majority that sit under the sound of my voice this morning are good, golly, sold-out, lot, stock, and barrel to the cause of Christ, young people. 
I believe the majority of young people here today have a good Christian home you live in. Most of you, a lot of you, sing in the teen choir at church. You show up for teen soul winning and you participate in teen activities and have a good time enjoying it. But as sure as I stand here today attempting to preach this message, there's no doubt in my mind there's a teenager or a few teenagers that are prodigal. Oh, you're not prodigal in body, but you're prodigal in spirit and in your mind and in your heart this morning. You're a thousand miles away from the Father and anything good that He wants to do this week in your life. In 2007, the Lord put me in the ministry of evangelism. And I guess because of the life that God saved me from, I've spent my entire ministry from that start to even this very moment. Every week of my life, it seems like I'm going to visit the jail cells and the homeless missions and rehabs across this country. I've often been asked by preachers and parents alike, Brother Dallas, would you mind visiting my prodigal in jail or the dry out clinics and I go and do that in 2007 when I began to make those visits across the country most of those prodigals came from homes where the parents did not attend church or they lived in broken homes and the prodigal was following the same footsteps of their mom and dad in drug addiction and riotous living but it seems now in the last few years The prodigals that I visit and try to help come from good, God-fearing, Christ-honoring homes. Where mom and dad are not hit and miss it to church, but they're there Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. They're not sitting under a man of God that has become salt on sin, but calls out sin and doesn't sugarcoat it, but is very specific about the sin they're preaching about. I'm talking about young people who have had the privilege to go to a Christian school and have a youth pastor and his wife that invests in them and never one time saw Mama passed out on the couch drunk or had to visit Daddy in prison because of his addiction. But her Daddy say amen in agreement to the preacher Sunday after Sunday and saw Mama singing in the choir and had the privilege of seeing them act and respond at home the same way they responded at church. And yet now, especially in the last few years, week after week, month after month, I'm visiting young men and young women across the country who were afforded this kind of upbringing. And I'm visiting them in the jail cells. I'm visiting them in the dry-out clinics. I'm visiting those that are in the hospital that are on suicide watch because they got a hold of some drug laced with poison. And somewhere along the way, I've been smack dab in the middle of ministry and the things of God. They got their eyes on the far country and Satan whispered a lie in their ear and said that it's okay to taste this and do this. And before you know it, they became a prodigal in their mind and spirit. Week after week, month after month, year after year now it seems like, after a church service with the pastor's permission and his prodding, he'll ask me, Brother Dallas, would you mind meeting a good golly mom and dad 
in this office here, and as I've sat there now for the last few years, it seems like more times than I like to even acknowledge, catching the tears of some broken-hearted mama or daddy. Just this morning before the sun came up, I was talking to a mama on the other end that was weeping. Kept her, church, her son in church before he was, uh, when, he was a little, when he started when he was a little baby. Now he's 26 years old, been through three rehabs, divorced two times, lost both of his kids, and now he's about to enter into rehab for the third time. Here in Luke chapter number 15, we understand the Father is a picture of God. The Father's house is a picture of the church or, the, or God's house. We've all heard messages on the prodigal son preached from every angle and down every avenue, but this is the portion of Scripture the Lord's led me to today in my opportunity to preach. This prodigal son, the younger of two sons, he was probably of age to leave his father's house and his father could have chosen to refuse his younger son's request of giving him his inheritance, but he did not do that. Just imagine with me just for a minute. This particular son probably came from a good home that feared God and tried to instill biblical principles in his life. This father could have taught him right from wrong and taught him to hate sin and righteous living and love the Lord in righteousness. He probably had family devotions and opened up the Word of God and read it before every meal. This father probably prayed with his sons and they knew they go to their father with any problems they had. This father probably taught him to meditate upon the Word of God and to hide it in his heart that he might not sin against God. And this younger son probably obeyed the rules somewhat and doing what he was told and saying all the right things at all the right times. And he probably had some date etched in his mind that flowed smoothly off his lips when somebody asked him when he got saved. But the whole time, he's thinking and pondering about the far country. The whole time, he's conjuring up some scheme and some plan in his mind and he's saying, if I could ever get away from my father, if I could ever get away from these rules, if I could ever get away from these boundaries, he's saying, I'm sick and tired of this Christianity stuff. I'm sick and tired of hearing mama sing amazing grace and victory in Jesus. I'm sick and tired of family devotions and memorizing Bible scriptures and going to revival services. And he's saying to himself, I know it's going to be hard getting away from here. And I know daddy's going to put up a fuss and mama's going to weep. But as soon as I get a chance, I'm going to get enough courage and I'm going to that old man. And I'm saying to him, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And I'm hard time to get away from here. And for the first time in my life, I'm going to enjoy myself. And just for spite, I'm going to do everything I heard preached against at the Father's house. First time I get a chance, I'm going to the liquor store and I'm buying me a bottle. First time I go to get a chance, I'm going to the nearest tattoo parlor and eat up my body and throw a big party and finally be a part of the public crowd and dress like I want to dress and look like I want to look like and act like I want to act and nobody 
is going to be able to stop me from doing what I want to do. And the sad reality is there are some young people in this very room that you may be here physically, but in your heart of hearts and in your mind, you know good and well you're thinking about the far country. Oh, you may be at the house of God every time the doors are open. And you may tote a King James Bible under your arm and you may sing in the team choir and you may show up for soul winning and work days around the church house. And you say all the right things at all the right times. And you stand up when the man of God comes to your, comes by your way and you say yes sir and no sir. And tell, can I say you have the form of godliness but you're denying the power thereof. And in the back of your mind, you're saying to yourself, when the right time comes, I'm throwing my Christian upbringing in the trash. And I'm sick and tired of all this old-time religion. And I'm sick and tired of working on bus routes and being made to come to church. And I'm sick and tired of all these rules and all these boundaries. I'm ready to sow my wild oats and live life to the fullest. And I can't wait to trade a church in for the nightlife and trade this shirt and tie for my baggy pants and this dress for my skin-tight blue jeans. And I can't wait to throw away this Bible and look at dirty magazines and the filth on the Internet. And all this church stuff may be good for the preacher. And good enough for mama and daddy, but I'm tired of it. And if I want to smoke dope, I'm going to do it. If I want to pop pills and drink liquor and go to the nightclubs and get a tattoo, then nobody's going to be able to stop me. Oh, I'm going to walk the right walk now. And I'm going to talk the right talk now. And I'm going to look the right way now. But the first chance I get... I'm out of here to live life the way that I want to live it. The sad reality is there are some in this room with this mentality. Can I say this morning I grow weary of preaching in Christian schools and at times have more liberty to preach in the county jails than I do some Christian schools. Can I say, young child of God here this morning, it's a sad commentary to our Savior when ex-dope addicts and ex-alcoholics who get saved by the grace of God have more zeal and more fire for the God, for the things of God than some young person that's been saved by the grace of God at a very young age. About once a month, on average, the Lord allows myself and my preacher to be able to travel across the country together and preach. And many times I've heard him give the testimony. He uses me as an illustration. He got saved at five years old. He didn't go through the things that I did. But I guarantee you this morning, there's not a person on the face of the earth that's more excited about their salvation than that man that's standing behind me, my friend. You say, well, Brother Dallas, it's not in my makeup. It's not in my, uh, it's not in my personality to get excited about the things of God. Can we be reminded God did save us from that place called hell, amen? You may not have been living in the halfway house the night God saved you, but you were headed to hell just as much. Oh, would to God. He'd give us some young people. I'm just talking to a few this morning. Who would sell out to God and get their eyes off the far country. And say, I don't care who else is selling out to the world, the flesh and the devil. I don't care who else is selling and going to the wild parties and drinking liquor and smoking dope. I don't care who else is fornicating and acting like a bunch of fools. But I'm going to stay pure. I'm going to stay holy. I'm going to live for God and the things of God. And if everybody else sells out, then so be it. But I'm going to live for God. 
back to Luke chapter 15. This prodigal son, he had the plan for his new life, memorized frontwards and backwards. But there were some unforeseen surprises along the way. And I want to preach on that subject for the next few minutes. Surprise, surprise. Can I say, first of all, look at Luke 15, look at verse number 12. Look at Luke chapter 15, verse number 12. The Bible says, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portions of goods that follow to me. Look at this next phrase. And he divided unto him them his living. Can I say, first of all, the first surprise of this prodigal son, he was surprised how easy it was to get away from the father's house. You understand this young prodigal thought his daddy was going to put up a big fight and bind him hand and foot and never let him leave. This father taught his son from right from wrong. He spent all of his life raising and training his sons in the nurture and the admonition of God. He put much effort in telling his boys about living for God. And now his younger son comes to him and says, I'm leaving and give me the portion of goods that fall to me. And the father gives him his portion. He doesn't plead or prod the boy to say, see, he had already given him everything he knew to give. He had already given him God. He had already given him Bible. He had already given him prayer and family altar and church services and godly influences. And now the decision is up to the prodigal which life he will choose. You see, young people, we serve a God in heaven that gives, gives each and every one of us a free will. My friend, it's your decision if you're going to Go with the things that you've been equipped with. One of these days, you won't have to fake it anymore. One of these days, you'll be old enough to make your own decisions. And you won't have to come to church anymore if you don't want to come. And you'll be able to live by your rules if you want to live. And you'll be able to get away from preaching and spirit-filled services and old-time hymns if you want to. And one of these days, you'll be surprised how easy it is to get out You'll be surprised how easy it is to live for the flesh instead of being led by the Spirit. You'll be surprised how easy it is to become a statistic instead of a success for God. You'll be surprised how easy it is that you think to get away from your godly influences and listen to your worldly music and watch your dirty movies and watch the filth on the Internet. You'll be surprised how easy it is to drop your standards and lose your purity and throw everything away in an hour in the world. That it took a lifetime for your pastor or that godly mom or daddy to instill in your life. Can I say in this wicked world that we live in with Satan throwing all the fiery darts of hell at God's children, it does take work and it does take effort to live right and to live holy. It does take effort to walk with God and read your Bible and pray and to stand for right even though you may be the only one standing. But can I testify like the psalmist said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Take it from somebody that's lived on both sides of the fence. Once as a prodigal feasting on the pleasures of sin for a season, but just remain empty and torn and tattered from a life of sin.
But I praise God this morning. He cleaned me up, dusted me off, and put me right smack dab in the center of God's will. And this morning my cup overrunneth in the goodness of God this morning. Amen. Thank God he's given me a beautiful wife. He took me from being homeless to having a home. He placed me in a ministry beyond my imagination. Thank God, my friend. Thank God God's been good to me. Amen. Can I just say, wow, God's been good to me, amen. I may lose my voice on this one, but I'm excited about the goodness of God, amen. Can I say, go ahead, bus kid. If that bus captain has mentored you. Go ahead, teenager, that dad and mom sacrificed working two jobs to put you through Christian school. Go ahead, preacher's kid. That daddy didn't waver, but he preached the truth week in and week out. You'll be surprised how easy it is to get away from the Father's house. Number two, look at verse number 14. Look at verse number 14. Verse number 14. I'm causing distractions up here. I'm sorry. Look at verse number 14. The Bible says, And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. Thank you, Brother Jorgensen. And he began to be in want. Can I say not only was he surprised how easy it was to get away from the father's house, but second of all, he was surprised how quickly his dreams vanished away. He was surprised. Brother Landers, he was surprised how quickly his dreams vanished away. No doubt this young man had big dreams. No doubt he had big plans with the inheritance out in the far country. He thought the money and his riches were gone, going to last him for whatever he wanted to do with them. But now he's probably addicted to strong drink and bright lights and wild parties and sexual activity. He was probably at one time the life of the party and the most popular in town. He started off with the idea that life was all about partying and having a good time and staying out all hours of the night and catching the eye of the loose girls. Oh, it was just going to be a beer every now and then. And it was just going to be a glance every now and then at nakedness on the Internet. And he said, I'll listen to this music just for a little while. But the Bible says, look at verse number 14. He began to be in want. Then look at verse number 16. The Bible says, and he would feign. You know what that word feign means? It means crave. You understand? It started off with just a beer, to another beer, to another beer. And now the beer's lost its effect. Now it's marijuana and cocaine and now to being a full-blown dope addict. It started off just looking at things on the Internet. And now he's in a pit that he can't even get out of called pornography. It started off just listening to the worldly music and the rap and country, but now his appearance and his appetites are the exact same as the artist that he's now listening to. Today I'm talking to some junior high student or some high school student or the preacher's kid or a bus kid that somebody's poured their life into yours. You may not be prodigal in your body, but you're prodigal in your mind and in your spirit. Can this preacher warn you this morning? Go ahead. Live it up and enjoy the fast life. 
Go ahead and enjoy the bright lights and the riotous living. Go ahead and stub your nose at the man of God. Go ahead and go through the Christian school and get your diploma and don't be found nowhere in tune. Go ahead and have your ungodly conversations. But let me remind you of something. Bless God, you may be able to hide it from your mom or your dad or your pastor or the youth director, but you will not be able to hold it from the God of heaven. Amen. And the same God that's extended grace and mercy to you time and time again will be the same God that will snatch the rug out from under you one of these days. And you'll be surprised how quickly your dreams will vanish. You'll be surprised one day when you wake up that all that hard living took away that dignity and good looks you once had. You'll be surprised one day after going against the counsel of those you uh, get the counsel of those over you how much mess you made of your life. Go ahead, young lady. Give in to that cute boy that tries to get you to lie with him. You'll be surprised how quickly your dreams of having a dream home will vanish one day. When that bomb's nowhere to be found and you're left with a child out of wedlock, depending upon the government to support you. Go ahead and live life to the fullest. And enjoy life in the flat, fast lane. Enjoy skirting the rules. Enjoy seeing how close you can get to the edge. But don't be surprised that God doesn't take you out early. And can I say, young person, listen to me. Mark it down. For every one prodigal that makes it back to the Father's house, there's a hundred that do not make it back to the Father's house. You'll be surprised how easy it is to get away from the Father's house. You'll be surprised how quickly your dreams will vanish. Look at verse number 16. Third of all, the Bible says in verse number 16, And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that swine did eat. Look at this last statement. And no man gave unto him. Surprise! Surprise! He was surprised how quickly it was, how, how easy it was to get away from the father's house. He was surprised how, how quickly his dreams vanished away. And third of all, he was surprised how no man cared for him like the father did. As a 14-year-old boy, I started hanging out with friends that definitely were not pleased with my mom and dad. They had activities in their life that I'd never been around before in my life. But their activities soon became my activities. My parents didn't smoke cigarettes, but their parents did. They would steal their parents' cigarettes, and I'd smoke along with them. My parents didn't drink liquor, but their parents did, and they would steal their parents' liquor bottle, and I'd drink along with them. They would steal money out of their mom and dad's pocketbook to feed the habits that they were creating in their life, and I, too, began to steal money out of my mom and dad's pocketbook to feed the habits that I had in my life. And at 14 years old, I found myself in the first drug rehab that I would ever go to called Parkwood Hospital down in Mississippi. And I remember sitting in a little office area there that day, my mom and dad sitting across the table from me, a conference table, and a psychiatrist sitting next to me. And that psychiatrist began to tell my mom and dad how I would have to live in that rehab for 30 days and how at least one time a day, maybe sometimes two times a day, get up in an AA meeting and say, my name is Chris Dallas and I'm a dope addict and alcoholic. I remember my dad sitting across from me. At one time, my dad and I had a wonderful relationship up to this point. In 
And I remember my dad sitting across from me at that table. Obviously, Mama crying, but the only second time in my life I'd ever seen my dad cry was there that day. My dad looked at me and said, Chris, he said, if you promise us that you'll quit hanging out with the crowd you're hanging out with, and you promise us that you'll quit doing the things you've been doing, he said, we'll let you come back home. If you can't promise us that, then you're going to have to stay here. And as a rebellious 14-year-old punk, I looked at my dad there that day, and I said, I hate your guts. I never want to see you again. That was two weeks before Christmas there that year, and I remember when Christmas morning rolled around, I was sitting in a, in, in, a, in a room with about 50 or 60 other drug-addicted teenagers, and I remember seeing their moms and dads coming down the hallway on Christmas morning with Christmas presents on their arms. And I didn't say it outwardly, but I said it inwardly. I said, there's no way in the world that my mom and daddy are going to come to visit me after the way I talked to them. Brother Patrick, before that thought even exited my mind, my mom and dad were walking down the same hallway. There that day I began to make promises after promises after promises. And I quit hanging out with the crowd I was hanging out with, and I quit doing the things I've been doing if they would just let me come back home. But to understand, young person, those were just verbal promises. There wasn't a difference in here. From the time I was 14 to the time I was 22 years old, I went through five of those rehabs and then out of jail. My life was a mess. At 22 years old, I got word that my mom and dad were going on a weekend vacation. And when they went on that weekend vacation... I broke in their house and stole everything I could get my hands on to take to the pawn shop to get easy cash to feed the drug habits that I now had in my life. I had all the friends around me when I had a pocket full of money. I mean, we were living life to the fullest Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I was the most popular in the crowd that weekend. But see, the money ran out. The dope ran out. And when those things ran out, the friends ran out too. I remember pulling up to my mom and dad's house on Monday. My dad met me out in the middle of the drive and he said, Chris, he said, I'm not packing your bags anymore and taking you back to rehab. He said, we're not going to call the cops and have them come arrest you. He said, I've already been in the police station today and signed the restraining order where you can't even come within 100 yards of the house. He said, I'm going to give you 15 minutes to get inside the house, get your stuff, and get out of here and never set foot back on our property. I got in my car, I got, went inside the house and got the few stitches of clothes that I had and threw in an old garbage bag and got in that little car and I began to go to those friends' house one after the other. We get a knock on their door. And all they want to know is how much money do you have? How much dope do you have? When I didn't have either one, they didn't have a place for me to stay either. Make a long story short through that day, I, uh, I drove down past a little town called Hernando and I coasted into a rest area after I ran out of gas. That's where I lived as a drug-addicted bum for weeks. Can I say, young person, if you think that you're an exclusion to the effects of sin, you are a fool today, my friend. It doesn't matter how long you've been in church. It doesn't matter what the title of your mom and daddy is. My friend, a sin has the same result for every one of us, my friend. The thief coming done before to steal and to kill and to destroy, the Bible says. And I found out that nobody cared for me like my daddy. That crowd I was running with had having the good time, living it up, and enjoying life to the fullest was nowhere to be found when the police came and put the handcuffs on me. Nowhere to be found when I stood before the judge and bail was set. 
Nowhere to be found when I was a full-blown dope addict and got up in Smokefield A-Rooms and said, my name is Chris Dallas. I'm an alcoholic and a dope addict. Can I say, young person, go ahead and memorize that life out there in the far country, frontwards and backwards. But can I tell you, my friend, Satan just showed you the bright lights and the fast living and the ice on the beer cans. But can I tell you, he doesn't show you the end results. And surprise, surprise, amen, surprise. And lastly, the prodigal was surprised how easy it was to get away from the father's house. He was surprised how quickly his dreams vanished away. He was surprised how cruel the world could be. No man cared for him like his father. And lastly, let's read verse number 17. Bible says, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring him the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Lastly, that prodigal was surprised how receptive the father was in bringing him back home. You understand it was against Jewish law back then in those days for a man of the father's stature to run. And especially a master after a servant. You say, well, Brother Dallas, I thought it was a father after a son. Well, when the prodigal son finally came back to himself, he said, how many hired servants have bread enough and despair, and I perish with hunger? And he said, I will go to my father and tell him I'm no more worthy. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And if a servant ran away from his master and they were caught, when that servant was to see that master, that servant was to lay their lay down at the master's feet and the custom was for the master to put their foot on the neck of that servant that ran away. But you understand, the prodigal son went to run at his father's feet but the Bible says that he left and he began to run and he kissed his son. Can I say, young person, All the devil does is just show you, he shows you the bright lights. He shows you the fast living. Oh, it looks like they're having a good time, as the preacher talked about last night. 
But all it, all it ends up being is just destruction and turmoil and a dead end road. But I'm glad today that we have the forgiveness of the Father. I'm glad that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm glad that not only does He forgive, but He forgets. And I'm glad that we get a clean slate with the Father. I'm glad this morning, I'm glad that he gives us a new starting point to start all over for him. Last night before I went to bed, I set my alarm clock to get up early before the sun even came up this morning. And I understand the big day before me, but I put the big day of preaching in this conference and I put all other ministry responsibilities to the side and the reason that I set my alarm last night to wake up in this morning was to walk with my father and to spend time in this book and in prayer. And every one time when I walked with the father today did he remind me of my past. But he did remind me that I am his child. He did remind me he is my father. He did remind me that my sins are forgiven. He did remind me that all are also forgotten. He did remind me that heaven's my home. Christ is my Savior. I'm in his will. I've got the promises of the Bible. Thank God, my friend, he's forgiven me. And he'll forgive you as well. Amen. I'll finish with this. As far as the secular world is concerned, the matter of adoption lines up a whole lot with the Bible. For instance, in order for a husband and wife to adopt a little boy or girl, I'm talking about in every state in our country, in order for a husband and wife to adopt a little boy or little girl, they have to, by law, the part of the legalities, in order to finalize the process, they have to, by law, put that little boy or little girl into a living will. They have to leave them an inheritance once they die, once they pass off the scene. God forbid, those of you parents here today that you have biological children, God forbid this to happen if your biological son or daughter were to do something to disgrace themselves or get, get mixed up in riotous living or whatever the case, and you felt like the inheritance that you left them would further their sin at any given time that you can take that biological son or daughter out of that living will and never to be replacing it again. But as far as an adopted, a mom and dad adopting a boy or a girl, they cannot ever, no matter what mistakes, no matter how many times they stumble, no matter how many times they fall in life, they can never be taken out of that will. August the 16th, 1998, I applied Romans 10, 13 to my heart that says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And can I say from that day to this day, I've made some mistakes. I've stumbled along the way. I've fallen along the way. But my friend, thank God today, I've just as much promised my place in heaven as I've ever been. Why? Because I'm adopted into the family of God. And can I say, young person, you're here today. You're saved by the grace of God. He's your father. You're his son or you're his daughter. And you've dabbled with sin. 
you've had your mind and your heart out there in the far country. Can I tell you, why don't you come back to the Father's house today? Because, my friend, you may have it memorized frontwards and backwards, but there are some unforeseen surprises along the way. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed all across the building.